Day and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5 on this Friday, August 5th. It's 3.05 p.m. here at Harvest Family Radio, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of KHMG Harvest Family Radio. Half a day to you on this dreary Friday afternoon. Not dreary in the studio, but dreary outside the studio. Pretty cloudy out there. A little break in the rain. We have uh, staff and students alike all over the campus getting ready for a new school year here at Harvest Christian Academy. Maybe some of you have been here in and out this week, had our in-service for our teachers this week, have some more training next week. Glad to uh, be getting back into the swing of things. 84 degrees outside right now. If you're listening live, 3.05 p.m. on Friday the 5th, it's about 84, 85 degrees. Pretty humid, 56% humidity outside right now, according to the Harvest Family Radio weather station, which I'm sure is always accurate. It's a nice week, nice day, nice afternoon. Glad you could be with us. Maybe some of you are listening on the old radio dial, 88.1 FM, down there at the bottom left-hand side of the dial, driving about in your car, in the old jalopy, the boonie car, the uh, uh, the sled Whatever you call your your car, old Mabel, whatever. I'm glad uh, that uh, you're listening to us on that radio dial in the car. Maybe you're listening online. You know, you can listen online a couple different ways. You can go to the TuneIn app and uh, listen, like download that to your smartphone or your tablet, your computer, and listen through TuneIn. Find Harvest Family Radio there. We're the first station listed under local stations because we are at the bottom of the dial. You can find a link to the TuneIn app on khmg.org forward slash LTF for Live Till 5. You'll see a link there for TuneIn. You'll see a link there for our archive. And you'll see a link there for SoundCloud. SoundCloud is a great place to go and listen to the archive programs, not only of Live Till 5, but all the different things we produce here at Harvest Family Radio. So check us out online. That is khmg.org forward slash LTF. Check us out. You can also communicate with us a lot of different ways. You can mail us a postcard, but no one ever does that. Most people, what they do is they go to Facebook, find Harvest Family Radio on Facebook, like us and follow us and leave us a message. Let us know what you think about the, the show, Live Till 5, or just the radio station in general. We're always looking for constructive feedback. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We have listeners all around the world. We hear from people in the States. We hear from people in Japan. We hear from people that are traveling. And we have some uh, rabid fans out there, a few of them at least. And uh, we have people listen to the podcast after the fact. So we hope that you are able to hear the whole show. But if you ever miss part of the show, you're in luck. Noon to 2 on Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. Catch us on The Rebound. We rebroadcast the show in its entirety, uh, noon to 2, Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. We do that on purpose because we know that most people are not wall-to-wall listeners. They do not have 
two hours to sit next to the radio with their ear to the speaker, just hanging on every word that I say. And so as you drive about on Saturday running errands or Sunday evening as you're coming home from church, you can catch the rest of the show. Or if you just love part of the show, you can tell friends to tune in at that time and catch us. So it is a uh, great day today, August 5th. In the month of August, there are a lot of special things. This is listener-submitted content by our friend Bob the Librarian. Did you know... Well, some of these are obvious, some maybe not so much. August is National Back to School Month, Uh, National Brownies at Brunch Month. That sounds like a good idea. National Catfish Month. I could get into some good catfish. Uh, Let's see here. National Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Awareness Month, National Goat Cheese Month, Mm. National Golf Month, National Immunization Awareness Month, National Minority Donor Awareness Month, National Panini Month, National Parks Month, National Peach Month, National Read a Romance Month. I'm not really into that. National Runaway Prevention Month, National Sandwich Month. It goes along with National Panini Month. National Spinal Muscular Atrophy Awareness Month, among other things. Also, since it's the 5th, we're just finishing up National Psychic Week and National Bargain Hunting Week, National... Simplify Your Life Week. And we are entering into tomorrow National Scrabble Week, Assistance Dog Week, Exercise With Your Child Week. Hear that, Zach? Exercise With Your Child Week, Knights of Columbus Family Week, National Farmers Market Week, National Fraud Awareness Week, uh, National Health Care Center Week, Stop on Red Week. Yeah, every day should be Stop on Red. Elvis Week. Sturgis Rally. Oh, Sturgis, uh, South Dakota. I wonder if anyone from Guam's going to that. Weird Contest Week is the second week of August every year. Gallup International Tribal Indian Powwow. Hmm, interesting. National Hobo Week is kind of coming up in the middle of next week and other things as well. And then today, the 5th, is National Oyster Day. National uh, Homemade Pie Day, Tomboy Tools Day, Twins Day, and Work Like a Dog Day. Tomorrow is Hiroshima Day, Mead Day, National Fresh Breath or Halitosis Day, (laughs) Uh, National Mustard Day, National Root Beer Float Day. That sounds good, and that's good for halitosis. And Sandcastle Day, Sunday's Friendship Day, Lighthouse Day, National Doll Day, National Kids Day, Sister Day, Particularly Preposterous Packaging Day, Professional Speakers Day, and Purple Heart Day. Monday, Earth Overshoot Day, or Ecological Debt Day. Dalek Day, for those Doctor Who fans out there. Exterminate. Assistance Dog Day, International Cat Day, The Date to Create, Happiness Happens Day. Odie Day, like Garfield's pal, the dog, Odie, O-D-I-E, Odie Day. Sneak some zucchini onto your neighbor's porch night. I think that's uh, because the zucchini harvest is in, and by this time of year, those that have zucchini they have so many of them and they're so sick of them they're just giving them away to everyone that can growing up church people would always try and pawn off their zucchini and tomatoes beginning of summer it's like wow what a blessing by the end of summer it's like oh more zucchini can we can those that's what uh that always seemed to come up can you can it hey you know what it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show called the buck stops here famous quotes from historical figures in american history poets politicians presidents barons of business and industry 
And today, athletes. This athlete said, one chance is all you need. Awards become corroded. Friends gather no dust. He was a track and field athlete from 1913 to 1980. American track and field athlete. Won four gold medals in the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games. Yes, Jesse Owens. His long jump record, world record, stood for 25 years. Jesse Owens, also known as the Buckeye Bullet, was born on September 12, 1913, Oakville, Alabama. In high school, he won three track and field events in the 1933 National Interscholastic Championship. Two years later, while competing for Ohio State University, he equaled one world record and broke three others. In 1936, Owens won four gold medals at the Olympic Games in Berlin. Ha! Ironic. Owens died from cancer, unfortunately, March 31st, 1980. He smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, from what I read. After the Olympic Games, he retired and started uh, earning money with his talents by racing cars and horses and different things like that. And then eventually, he even played with the Harlem Globetrotters. And then eventually uh, started his own marketing business. Jesse Owens, my favorite quote from him that I found was this. We all have dreams, but in order to make dreams come into reality, it takes an awful lot of determination, dedication, self-discipline, and effort. Jesse Owens. The Buck Stops Here quote of the day. I just love that segment. And I love you, the listeners, and I'm glad you're with us today on this Friday, the 5th of August. It's coming up on 13 minutes past the hour on this kind of rainy, gloomy Friday afternoon. 85 degrees, 56% humidity, if I'm reading the meter right here. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have a new wingman in the studio, and we have some of the... uh, Regular usual suspects as well. So stick around. A little more live till five after this short break. Back with a little more live till five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin, on this Friday afternoon, August 5th. Again, if you ever miss part of the show, catch us on the rebound. Saturday is noon to two, Sunday nights, seven to nine PM. We love having you tune in. You can also catch the podcast and listen at your leisure through SoundCloud. Go to khmg.org forward slash LTF. If anyone ever moves that paper, I won't know what to do because I keep <laughs> I have to look at it and read it. But there's a link for SoundCloud there. You can listen to the archives. You can also listen on live if you're by your computer at work and you don't have a radio. Uh, you can uh, listen through the internet through that same website. You can also download the TuneIn app. It's free to your iPad or tablet, your Samsung phone, your iPhone, and uh, listen to us that way. That's how I often listen to. It's kind of ironic. I ran the radio station for a year, and I still don't have a radio in my car. So I listen uh, through my 3G, uh, through different apps and things like that when I'm driving about. So, Or I, I do like podcasts and things like that as well. Not just from this radio, but there's lots of good stuff out there. And I want to introduce uh, our lineup of uh, 
suspects here. We have in the rogues gallery, Lawrence Nagengast, uh, former history professor. Now he's a CEO of a large corporation or something. What's your, <laughs> what's your role this year? Uh, it's just the high school principal. Now. Oh, okay. I, I'm, very I'm limiting my hats, which I'm appreciative of. Yeah, sure, sure. So, are you teaching any classes at all? I am. I'm teaching the senior life skills, or part okay. of. I'm, okay, I'm you and I with both. you, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, and Christian Bendo. Are you? Are you? Okay, good, good. Because usually, um, when two real teachers teach, then when I get them, they really like me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Because love you. I'm a little lighter weight. But, uh, and then we have Kaipo, of course. Uh, he's back for uh, one more time after this week, and yes. then he heads back to college. To uh, college it so is. He'll be a, a physical therapist. You'll be, too you'll be <laughs> cracking people's backs and stretching people's muscles and, you know, stuff like that in no time. Possibly. Slapping salon paws on people. And <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. just going to have a, a whole tray full of salon paws. That's, all, that's pretty wait. much all you need. Yeah. I mean, you could probably... Uh, you could probably cut out all that med school stuff. If you could and make just one get the that right ointments and creams, so intense, yeah. then you'd be really in business. That's like the the thing though, that people come it, for the smell. It is. It, it's That's right. How do they know you did anything if you don't have the lingering smell? It's like um, isopropyl alcohol. They just put that in there so you know that it's not just water. Mm-hmm. The the smell. <laughs> That's what I've heard. And then we have Sebastian Janikowski, a famous uh, L.A. Raiders kicker. Wow. Uh, highest paid kicker of all time. No, actually, Sebastian Basulda. Oh, man. Did I say it right? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. How do you say your last name, Sebastian? It is Basaldua. Basaldua. Yes. Basaldua. Basaldua. What kind it. of name is that, by the way? Sounds this? like the snake from Harry like, Potter. Oh. Basaldua. No. So what, what nationality name is that? That is Modified Mexican. Modified Mexican. Oh, yes. So uh, what would the... Um, only a modified Mexican person could say it that way. But what what would the uh, non modified original name have been? Do you know? It's it's very interesting. It's actually Basildua. Basildua. Yes. Okay. And does it have a meaning or anything like that? No. Just my grandparents when they came over to America. Um, it was a Z, and then there was mm-hmm. a typo, and went to an S. Just let it ride. Yeah. Have you ever met anyone else with the same last name? Um, I've got a couple friend requests on Facebook and that's really, I mean, my brother and sister have the same last name. So, well, yeah, that's, that's always (laughs) good. good start. How about your mom, mom, dad, nothing yet? No, (laughs) no friend requests from them. No, no. Uh, Well, well, hopefully, uh, now Sebastian, you are going to be working here in the radio station this year. Uh, for years, the last number of years, we had uh, a staff member named Abby Thompson. She's still here on a Harvest staff, but she's working in a different department. And um, I would say you have big shoes to fill, but she rarely wore shoes. So <laughs> you you have uh, really um, – uh, she was a, a great employee, but I know you will be too. Tell us a little bit about your background. What, what, what did you study in college? I studied cross-cultural communication with – uh, minor in digital media communication. Okay. So right. I'm all about communication, basically. Great. So what kind of digital media would that be? Oh, that's, you know, shooting video. Uh, that's websites. Uh, you know, even some radio. Great. Maybe, so. You're in you're in the right department then. So you're going to be working with Chris Harper. And you graduated from Maranatha Baptist University. Correct. Of which uh, Chris Harper, uh, we, we wooed him away from there uh, to come and run the radio station here. And now I'm a Sabercat. I just enrolled in a class, uh, two classes for this fall. And so hopefully I'll get a polo or something out of that uh, eventually. But, yeah, I'm enrolled in the Master of Organizational Leadership. I'm a mole, basically, or a mall or a mole. 
Um, so yeah, great, excellent. Now, uh, so Sebastian, you're a wingman today, and you're just basically kind of hanging out and observing. And every once in a while, there might be something that you really feel like saying. Don't say those. But then, if there's something you really, really feel like saying, then you say it and you just speak up. And you can't, you can't go wrong. It's, it's all fun. This is a casual show. Lawrence has uh, this day in history, which is a historical <clears throat> thing, goes all the way back to one of our very first episodes with a previous co-host. All the way until now, and now in our 177th episode, we're still going strong with this day in history. So, Lawrence, it's August 5th. What happened this day in history? Oh, well, you never know. Um, but I will go down through some a list of some things, chat about a few of them. 1305, William Wallace led the Scottish resistance to England, is captured by the English near Glasgow, I think is how you pronounce it, and transported to London for trial and execution, which later did happen, but... It was one of those uh, executions that, uh, I guess, instilled more patriotism in a lot of the one, uh, a lot of the men and women from Scotland than than England was hoping for. But still, very influential leader at the time, definitely. 1812, um, Tecumseh is Native American force ambushes Thomas Van Horn's 200 Americans at Brownstone Creek, causing them to flee and retreat. Uh, again, very. Um, a lot of uh, sad battles in that Battle of 1812, or War of 1812 time period. Um, a lot of bloodshed, really, uh, across the states. 1864, U.S. Civil War Battle of Mobile Bay, won by Union, led by Rear Admiral Farragut, with the cry, well, he said, I don't care about the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Oh, is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. Just Something like that. Like that. <laughs> the, the I don't care was liberty. It was radio yes, liberty yes, there. Yes. I don't care about those crazy torpedoes. <laughs> Just yeah, like that. I know what you mean. Said in a battle furious Admiral, way. Rear with, Admiral Farragut. <clears throat> yes. yes. And I think they named Farragut. it. I and think there is a ship after in, yeah, the, the in the fleet named yes, after him. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why his name was familiar. That's why I kind of read yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, 1926, Houdini stays in a coffin underwater for an hour and a half before escaping. And um, they made, a, I don't know if you've ever seen the old one they made with um, Curtis, Tony Curtis. Uh, Tony, Tony Curtis. Um, that, that, was, uh, that guy was pretty unique uh, in his abilities. And again, yeah. there have been guys, I could say similar, but he seems to be one of those yeah. for being in the 1920s. Yeah. Uh, real showman. Super fit. He was super fit and super smart. Yes. Yeah. Straight jacket and, and the whole nine yards. Um, but again, cool. Uh, those guys, escape artists, are, are always intriguing. Um, moving down to more recent times, uh, 1962, we talked about Nelson Mandela a few times on this show, actually, uh, arrested for incitement and for illegally leaving South Africa. Hmm. Uh, again, I just, every time I see a picture of him, I can't get over how much he and Morgan Freeman <laughs> look alike. And he played his part right, in, I think, right, Invictus right, or something right, like yeah. that. Um, <clears throat> 1966, Martin Luther King Jr. stoned during Chicago March. Um, I never knew that happened, uh, actually, but it did on this day. Um, 1974, U.S. President Richard Nixon admits he withheld information about Watergate break-in. Um, I always have interesting conversations with people about their views of, of presidents. and we, we, we chatted, or you guys did, of late presidents back in the 1950s yeah. and before. Yeah, last week that was our theme. Our uh, topic of the day was presidents before 1950, yeah. so we didn't get bogged down in the quagmire of current yes, political talk. Exactly. But he actually, um, for, for his decision there, you know, other good things he did, for sure, uh, besides that, even though it's a sad end to his presidency. Yep. Um, 
1979, Phillies Pete Rose collects the NL record 2,427th career single. Uh, he's always in the news recently. Uh, yeah, he's he, appealed to try and get his uh, lifetime ban from the Hall of Fame lifted, yeah. and they have denied it again. I don't think he's going to ever get the, in. The, my favorite thing is ESPN and other analysts always keep bringing up he commenting on, for example, this year was David Ortiz as to whether or not who should be in first. Right. Obviously, his is a little bit different because there's some there's some legal situations there. But David Ortiz, he's going to probably go in, I wouldn't say right. next year, but he'll be a Hall of Famer. Right. And he just, well, this and this and this. And, and poor guy, it's just, he was great, but yeah. messed up. Yep. Yep. Um, speaking of Hall of Fame, Willie Mays, Warren Giles, or Giles, and Hack Wilson. Hack, that's a Hack Wilson. I'm going to name my firstborn there. Yeah, Hack, Hack Sotelo. Inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, of the MLB, of course, Willie Mays, a very uh, famous baseball player. Um, 1992, this is also something when I was in the States this summer, uh, there's a big five-part special on ESPN of the of the um, O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, they gave a whole history of who he was before and the kind of person he was in sports and uh, even the sort of blurred lines he had as everybody kind of looked at him as as amazing, and there really wasn't any sort of uh, thought of race or anything. He was just a phenomenal running back. But uh, that led to, obviously, the, the, the um, trial and everything after that. But today, 1992, four cops in Rodney King beating case um, um, are indicted on civil rights charges. Uh, and he was a guy that played a role, not he, but that case and, and that beating played a huge role in a lot of uh, even um, the outcome of that yep. um, trial. Yep. And and the the guy, it was amazing how basically, I'm not going to go into it, but the, the head lawyer for Simpson basically looked at the jury and said, you know, this would basically undo the, the right. wrongs of this. Right. Not perfectly, right. but in so many words, he basically said that, and then it yep. put him in a pretty bad spot. But yep. anyways... Um, the American spinoff, Whose Line Is It Always, starring Ryan Stiles, Colin uh, um, Motry, and Wayne Brady, debuts on ABC. Um, that was, I guess, a funny show for a long time. They, they did uh, there at night. Um, I think it was a British show originally, and then probably became an American show. Yep. Yeah, those guys, they're pretty quick on their feet. They're hilarious. 2014, Obama signs the Iron Dome bill, providing $225 million in additional funding for Israel's Iron Dome defense. Yeah, probably a good idea to keep doing those sorts they of things. They talk about that in the Left Behind series. I remember the Iron Dome. Yeah, I remember them Buck. saying that. I thought it was a make-believe thing. So hmm, interesting. And then, lastly, 2015: torrential rains and flooding leave at least 178 people dead in India in the wake of Cyclone Komen. I, I, I say this due to the fact that we have been, I would say, under torrential rain. Yes. Uh, in the last about five days. Yeah, we had amazing. basically drought conditions for months and months, and then yeah. we kind of made up for it all in the last week or so. Now That's it's pretty amazing. This is more what normal August is like. It's true. Muggy. A little muggy, a little rainy. Get to wear long sleeves sometimes, you know, slightly cooler at times. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So now, Lawrence, your family is here on island. They are. They're here for a, a little over another week. Uh, they'll be here to the start of school, leave out that Monday, that first Monday of school. But, uh, yeah, good to have them out here. It was kind of weird when they came out. Uh, we had just been together three weeks ago. I'd been so used to going almost a year, at least, in between seeing my family. And then three weeks, I was like, 
like we came out here on vacation and then we're back together. So, um, no, it's been good to have them out here. Always like come, having them come to harvest. Um, they, they love it. They love the island, love the church, school. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been good. Yeah, your sister Abby's here. Yeah, we've yeah, had her on the radio here a couple times. Yeah, in the she past. loves the radio. She loves uh, she loves all these sort of things. I Anything thought about bringing her up today. Yeah, but then I was thinking, well, you know, it's only a two hour show. Yeah, and, and you get her going. It could yeah, be an hour. Yeah, she's she's a sweetie though. She shared in our staff in service the other day. It was a home run. Yeah, and uh, she's been helping in the office. She's a great. Yeah, she's a hoot. Yeah, so. maybe next Friday we'll we'll give yeah. her uh, maybe maybe yeah, a small a little, couple things to absolutely. say. Absolutely, yeah, uh, sure. She'd come up with me. Yeah, that'd be great. Bring her on up. And uh, so, okay. what are you guys doing this weekend? Are you taking them out to do anything? Uh, not really so far uh, because they've been the in service and the weather's just not really been in, in uh, conducive for that. Not not a good time to go golfing or anything. Yeah, no, we haven't done that. But uh, we are going to try to go up to base tomorrow with the Love Mows. Great. Uh, they've never been up north really. Um, so we're going to go do that, see the Air Force Base, and then um, I think we're going to try to go golfing Tuesday to get it in nice. before the, the real the real work begins. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So. Yeah, great. And your folks are from Davison, Michigan. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So uh, out here, this is a little different climate for them. Um, for sure. Yeah, great. That's well, I'm true. glad they've been able to be here. So had yeah, thank fun you. with them this week and look forward. Maybe I'll try and get together with your dad for some coffee next week. Yeah, so. that'd be great. Well, great. Well, hey, thanks for bringing us uh, this day in history. Appreciate it. No problem, it. man. You are relieved of duty. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thanks. We're gonna go. <laughs> All right. Get and a few things done before uh, the uh, weekend starts. Awesome. And listeners, you know what? We're going to take a short break. When we come back, want to talk a little bit about some things that are stranger than fiction stories that happen in the news. They are true stories, but they don't sound true. That's why truth is often stranger than fiction. My name's Jared Baldwin. Host of the show Live Till 5, episode 177 on this August 5th. A nice cloudy afternoon. We'll take a short break. Be back after this. Welcome back to Live Till 5. I feel like we're getting, we're opening an NBC broadcast of the Olympics right now with the uh, Olympic fanfare playing in the background. It's our bumper song here. But it is Olympic season, and uh, the opening ceremonies start today, the 5th, Brazil time. So we have a few hours. But the Olympics competition have already started. The Olympic competitions have already started. There are different sports already happening and Olympics are kind of our topic of the day. We're going to be talking a lot about Olympics. Kaipo is going to be uh, bringing us a quiz about the Olympics here in just a little bit. But before we talk Olympics, let me just share with you a few stranger than fiction stories that I found. These are from World Magazine's Quick Takes. And uh, none of these have to do with Olympics, but they are all very interesting. Because when I come across stories like this, they just... Some of them make you kind of scratch your head. Some of them make you wag your head. Some of them, it's like, I cannot believe this is true. How about this one? Sagging britches. That's what we call pants back in the Midwest. Sagging britches will no longer be allowed in one small South Carolina town. The Timminsville, South Carolina Town Council met July 5th 
and voted to prohibit wearing pants, quote, such that the known undergarment are intentionally displayed, exposed to the public, end quote. Violators of the ordinance, which was uh, approved on a five-to-one vote, will receive two warnings before being subject to a fine of up to $600. So if you wear saggy britches, could it pay a $600 fine because uh, five probably, you know, older people voted that uh, that is not appropriate. No, it's it's good. It's good. Keep your pants pulled up. That's a great thing. Uh, how about this one? This is, uh, this is, this really happened, folks. With marriage rates on the decline, one Canadian entrepreneur is hoping to cash in on a newly emerging market. Alexandra Gill of Vancouver, British Columbia, has co-launched a wedding planning service called Marry Yourself Vancouver, which purports to specialize in helping women conduct their weddings without a groom. Gill, who is otherwise single, unofficially married herself in 2006. I think I remember doing a story about this. And renewed her vow this June. Uh, That's doubly moronic. The Canadian woman says she already signed up her first client, who hopes to have a solo wedding ceremony in August. Now, she has a picture of like seven brides sitting on her car, but if she's the only one that's actually done it and she has one client signed up, we'll see how that goes. I don't know if people are willing to spend a lot of money just to marry themselves. How about this one? At long last, Fernandez Petivicius has a winner. The 74-year-old Lithuanian's pet goat won his village's beauty pageant on July 10th. For six years, Petivicius, a retired veterinarian, what a great name for a veterinarian, Petivicius, has entered goats in his annual uh, beauty pageant in Ramgalia. This year, his 16-month-old female named Dementi, or Little Spot, posed her way to victory. For his prize, Petivicius took home a package of cakes, honey, books, and haircut, haircut coupons. Great. Uh, how about this one? James Newman is single, and it may stay that way. Boy, there's a lot of single stuff. You know, guy entering his goat as a single competitor, uh, single marry-yourself uh, service in Canada. And James Newman, single... And it may stay that way. The 55-year-old British software engineer recently finished a massive hobby project, building his own supercomputer at a cost of $51,000. I spent around three hours a night working on it, Newman told his, his uh, new service, SWNS. I didn't plan on spending that much at the start. It grew as time went by, and I got a bit more ambitious. Newman's budget on the five-year project may have grown, but the computer's capability didn't. His homemade supercomputer can only run Tetris. If I had a wife, Newman said, she'd probably have left me by now. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. How about this one? A judge in Scotland has a challenge for a Dundee woman. If she claims to be the keen knitter, she'd, be, uh, she'd better prove it in court. Scottish authorities say a female driver from Dundee started a road rage uh, fracas when she followed another driver, blocked her car, and eventually punched the driver in the face. In Dundee Sheriff Court, the woman claimed she wasn't following the other driver, but was instead heading toward a specialty wool shop. Sheriff John Rafferty decided to test her claim, ordering her to knit multiple items of excellent quality prior to her December 14th court date if she wishes to stay out of prison. Hmm, that's a great way to call her bluff. Uh, Finally, police in Canadian town, a lot of Canadian things here, have arrested a motorist for attempting to use a low-power headlamp in place of a functioning headlight. An officer operating a speed trap in Guelph, Ontario, noticed a dim light moving toward him rapidly on one night, July 11th. Initially, the officer believed it was a bicycle. 
but after using radar to clock the, uh, clock the object at 67 miles an hour, the officer realized it was a car. The officer stopped the vehicle and found the driver wearing an LED headlamp on his forehead. Police charged the man with speeding and operating an unsafe vehicle. Can you imagine? 67 miles an hour with a headlamp on and no headlights. Like when you have, like, strapped to your... Yeah, yeah, like strapped to your forehead, a little lamp, a little LED lamp on your forehead instead of headlights on the car, which would help you see the moose and the bears and the porcupines. It is Canada, after all. You know, dangerous. Dangerous. And 67 miles an hour. They might hug you today. That's basically driving in the dark. You're basically driving in the dark. The headlight's not doing anything for you. He was really using his head, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. And that's our wingman, Sebastian. <laughs> Break it Bas- onto the radio scene. Basaluda. Close enough. Basuluda. Basuluda. Basil. Basil. Do. Do. Uh. Basil Dua. Oh, yeah. How do you spell it? B-A-S-A-L-D-U-A. L-D. Oh, that's yeah. the thing that gets you. Uh, yeah. Because that's not a common like combination of letters like L-D. Took me a while to learn how to Unless spell Unless you're Mormon, the L-D-S, yeah. of course. But yeah, Basildua. 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 Okay, great. Hey, Kaipo, it's the Olympics. I'm going to play the Olympic fanfare while you do your little quiz for us here. Oh, yes. And we'll, we'll just kind of keep this in the background because... Uh, it's fun. Every yeah. four years. Every four years. Actually, really every two years now because they alternate. Me growing up, winter and summer Olympics, same year. But now it's winter and then two years later, summer, then winter. All right. So, the two squaring off. Pastor Jared, our mm-hmm. host, and I have uh, come up with the nickname. Seabass. 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 Wow, I've never heard that nickname. Nope. Seabass. Seabass. Well, it was, it was between that and that guy, that crab from uh, Little Mermaid. Sebastian. So. Sebastian. Yeah. I've heard people call Sebastian's bash before also. I've had bash. Yeah. 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 Bash. And Seabass. Uh, Seabass on the radio, 88.1 yeah. FM. Yeah, Seabass <laughs> on the radio. Seabass in the afternoon. Seabass at drive time. Yes, sir. Chilean Seabass on a platter <laughs> of... <laughs> Of couscous. <laughs> yes, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Mm, All right. That's great. So, first question. Again, first one to answer or for really the closest one. And we got some varieties of the way we're going to ask these questions, Kay. but uh, we'll go ahead and start. So, bef- before we start now, Sebastian, how are you with trivia? Are you like a good, are you a trivia buff? Do you like, you know, odd information? Are you? You're going up against the master of odd I'm information. Not, is this multiple choice? No, it's not multiple choice. All right, choice. well, I'm either like all in, I got it, or I'm really far off. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. Well, hey, you fit right in. Great. Okay, <laughs> all right, first question. He knows, he knows he's got some edge on this one. All right, where are the 2016 Olympics being held? Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. Oh, Number one goes to our host. Brazil. That was the easy one. Yep. I'm sorry. It was low-hanging fruit. I should let you have it. All right. Here Customarily. We go. All right. What country did the Olympics originate from? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's Germany. Oh, no. no. Definitely not. Another Germany. G country, but it's Greece. Greece. All right. Oh, oh, Mount course. Olympus. 2-0. Right. Athens. Yep. Originally a religious, um, yeah. almost a devotion. Yep. Would you say? Yep. Yeah. To the yep. 12 Olympians on Mount yep. Olympus. Yep. They're actually the original, well, there was only one event before, and the original event was a sprint or a run. So, you know, just running. All right. Number three, what was the original prize for a winner at the Olympics? It was like a golden uh, 
leaf thing. That the leaf thing crown. is right, but not golden. Oh man! It was like a Stephanus crown, uh, like a like um, it it was uh like Christmas. Not, it's a laurel. It's like a holly. Laurel was second. Laurels yeah. were second. Okay, all right. Um, olive branch. Olive. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh. Olive, olive wreaths. You know, got like it. Those. Like a wreath. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was basic. So, right. Yeah, they got olive wreaths, olive jars of olive oil, and money. When you won the, wow. in the Olympics back in that then, order. yeah. It, they, when you won the Olympics back then, that stuff and was little so packets valuable. of Parmesan. No, bit. I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's, that's when you order a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which countries have the most medals in the summer and winter games, respectively? The most medals. United States. Okay, you got summer. That's one. That's half. Winter. Who's in winter? Canada. Nope, not Canada. Uh, Thinks, I, think, um, I'm thinking it's got to be a Scandinavian, Scandinavian yep. country like Norway, yep. probably. Mm. Boom, Norway. They just, they're born on skis. They are. All right. Here's the next question. There's a bunch of... Uh, so it's one to three, I think. Whatever. Yes, one to three. Um, the next question, we're going to kind of go back and forth. And we're going to... S- I have all the Olympic events that are going to be pr- participated in in this next... Um, in this next uh, matriculation. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to see who can name the most, and basically who loses, um, who forgets. Who, like, who can't, okay. Who can't, basically, we can't answer. Okay. That's okay. Really so um, aside from track and field, because track and field has a bunch of stuff inside of it, right. track and field would be unincluded, okay. excluded. No so, track and field. Yes. So we're going to start with you. Go. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Go ahead. Just like, I just have to yeah, name an yes, event. Yeah, in the ba- Summer Olympics yes. only. Yes. Soccer. Ba- soccer. All right, it's one. And uh, you can't just say women's soccer. That, that doesn't work. It's to say a new sport. Gotcha. All right. There are 42 being competed in. Okay. Um, the next would be um, the luge. In the summer? Oh, yeah. In the summer? No. Um uh, Basketball. Basketball. All right. Okay. All right. Swimming. Swimming. Got it. Okay. Um, Olympic hide and seek. I'm just kidding. I know that's not one. Um, But I know that maybe baseball? No. No. Not baseball. Volleyball, archery, badminton, beach volleyball, boxing, canoe or hiking, cycling, diving. There are so many more. Gymnastics. Gymnastics. Shooting, synchronized, shooting. synchronized swimming. Yep. Modern pentathlon, which is shooting, fencing, swimming, show jumping, and running. Yeah. Wow, that's basically all the rich kids. Yes, all yeah, all everyone born to the richer, richer families. But it's okay. We're rich in love. That's what my family says. <laughs> all right. What are the five colors of the Olympic ring? Red, yellow, black, green, mm. and gold. No, that's kind of what yellow is. Uh blue yes he Boom. is Good right job. there you Boom. go all right it is four to two catching up i'm the underdog all right here we go no, right. number seven <laughs> what is the olympic motto a little bit better question citrius altius fortius is the olympic motto what does that mean citrius altius fortius hmm it's not orange the number next to control yeah i i think it's uh it's like um for love of sport or something like that or okay what about you you gotta guess i know citrus is not that though yeah 
I've got nothing. I. It's swifter, higher, stronger. Ah, that is the Olympic okay. interesting. Motto. Swifter, higher, something. stronger. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I just thought, I didn't think anyone was gonna get that. I thought it was pretty cool though. Yeah, Latin. Just gonna like whenever someone presents me with a que- like a question, just in class, like, hey, uh, what's uh, what's the polynomial for this answer? Mm-hmm. Oh, Citrius Altius Fortius. Yep. Swifter, yep. There higher, you go. Stronger. It's like the cop-out question all right number eight Demetrios Lundris was a Greek gymnast who won bronze in 1896 he was also the youngest Olympian ever how old was he when he competed and we'll go year and today just to make it like you know someone says like 15 like right which is not 15 yeah younger than 15 I'll give you a first shot at it because I think I know so you want a year and a day? Yeah, like how like old how, was he? Like yeah. a year, so like 15 and 48 days. Or okay, like that. I'll go with uh, 9 okay. and 36 days. Okay, 9 and 36. I'd say he was 12 years and 100 days. Nope. He is actually closer. What? Really? 10 years and 218 mm. days. Oh, wow. So he's actually a little bit, just a little bit closer. Um, wow. Just over a year. That's what you picked. Good You're, job. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, so it is 4 to 3. With two more questions. Oh, how how convenient. All right, here we go. What are gold medals made of? Gold. Okay, but okay, I'll give you a hint. There's a thin plate of gold. It's not yeah. actually gold anymore. Right, right, right. So what's the under, what's the metal underneath? Copper? Nope, not copper. Oh. No, I don't think it would. Silver? It's got to You be. got it. Yes. Really? Got Silver. It. Yes. Wow. Silver. Oh, yep. boy. And Here it is go. tied. Of course it is. We are four to is. four. This is unprecedented. It's either you blow them out or you give them a chance. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Oh, boy. But the last question, number 10. Which famous Olympian refused to compete in the 100-meter sprint in 1924 because the heats were run on a Sunday? Eric Liddell. Yes. Wow. Eric Liddell, who became a missionary. To China. Yeah, missionary to China. That is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he refused to run. He, he ended up... He was by far in a, like ahead. Right. He was the best right. at this. This was this one was his race. Yep. But because the heat was running on Sunday, he did not want to run on Sunday. Right. They right. made a movie, Chariots of Fire, based on him. Right. And that, that really... The movie, Chariots of Fire, was, was supposed to originally be more about... Um, what was his name? Abraham, uh, the Jewish runner in that story. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they needed kind of a uh, another hero in the story, and so Eric Liddell was perfect uh, uh, kind of matching hero. So very loosely based on on his story, but yeah, he ended up winning the gold in the four hundred meter, yep. yeah, which is a much relay. harder race, and yeah, yeah. So, so he yeah, was, it, it's a huge testament and it's fantastic, but congratulations to the host maintaining his five and one. That's record. right. Uh, uh, Sebastian, would you mind putting a mark on the board there so that we can just keep accurate track here? Yeah, I got so you. You're the new Zach. Since Zach never won, you can just take his name off the board and uh, uh, put up a mark, my fifth hash mark, five wins. That's five different weeks of dominance. It was a close one. It was a close one. I'm kind of the ip man of uh, quizzes here, so uh, that's that's good. Undefeated. Undefeated. Well, barely defeated. I did get defeated. Chris got me. Chris got you on one. one. Time. He did. So. I forgot the topic, though. I think it was Canada. Yeah. It might <laughs> have been. Or Alaska. About... It was something about Alaska, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, hey, uh, while I got you here, Kaipo, give me your thoughts, and uh, Sebastian can give his thoughts, too, on this. Uh, I have two or three more Stranger Than Fiction stories we can talk about as we round out the hour, including this one. The law finally caught up with one toll-skipping driver. We don't have tolls on Guam, but 
in many countries, including the United States, they have toll roads. You have to stop, pay a toll to be able to continue. A toll-skipping driver in New Jersey, Port Authority Police in Staten Island, New York City, saw a flatbed truck skip a toll on the New York side of the Gothels Bridge July 7th. After pulling the truck over and identifying the driver, police confirmed the Colts Neck, New Jersey man owed $78,606 in unpaid Whew. tolls and fees. They then arrested the 45-year-old for petty larceny and impounded his truck. July was a busy month for Port Authority police monitoring bridges and tunnels near New York City. They also caught a 34-year-old man who owed 37000 and a 55-year-old woman who owed $16,000 in tolls. Can you believe that? Wow. If it was a buck a time or... Two bucks a time. I mean, that's a ton of money. And the problem is we we hit one of those tolls coming out of uh, Rhode Island or New Hampshire, one of the New England states one time. And my brother, I thought he had paid for me in the car in front of me, and he didn't. And I got a ticket. So a $2 toll, I think I got like a $35 ticket. That's probably how these accrue so high is it's not just the toll itself but all the penalties. So um, And then here's the story. There will be no lobster dinners for a group of Buddhist monks in Canada, despite having purchased 600 pounds of crustaceans. The monks of the Great Enlightenment Buddhist Institute Society in Little Sands, Prince Edward Island, uh, Anna Green Gables, but Buddhist monks. Please don't on, tell me they're going to release On them. July 9th, don't released tell don't tell me. each and every one of the <laughs> lobsters they purchased again. from local fishermen. The monks say fishermen even showed them a quiet, rarely fished location off of Prince Edward Island. They're just going to sure fish there. Sure they did. <laughs> sure they did. Hey, drop them over here. Yeah. I promise it'll be safe. These nets, these nets help them go back. Uh, uh, and deposited <laughs> nearly the $5,000 worth of lobsters and gave the animals the best chance at long-term survival. Right. I hope they took the little rubber bands off their claws. Um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, Sebastian, you got to work here all summer on oh, the yeah. summer ministry team. You got to go to Yap. We have two or three minutes. Tell us about uh, your impression of ministering in Yap. I think Yap is awesome. You know, everything's... A little more slowed down, and you really connect with the people there a little bit more. Uh, there's no big, uh, no big city, you know. Um, and I think everyone just uh, it's a little closer. Like it's more family setting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did had you ever met the Zimmers before that trip or anything? No, and uh, I actually they they love to go fishing out there, yep. and I. This is my first time out there fishing in the deep blue. And, yeah. Uh, I How was, did you do on the uh, seasickness side of life? You know what? I'm, I, can, I can handle His name is Seabass. I'm a Seabass. Yeah, I belong to, in the sea. But yeah. uh, really, I just, um, I was fine. I was totally fine. It was my first time. And we almost caught a giant marlin. Whoa. You, know, really? you had one on the line? Oh, we had it. We reeled it in for about an hour and uh, trading off, you know. And then we, he got up to the boat and... He just snapped the line right there as he came oh. up onto the boat, and I thought the boat was going to tip. You know, really? Pretty big. Yeah, because uh, Mark's boat isn't that big. No, it's a little boat in the big sea. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Mark goes crazy when they get a fish on the line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was... <laughs> That's a prehistoric fish. Reel it in, baby. <laughs> yeah, I've been out there with him. He's a lot it, of it fun. It's exactly like that, yes. So what was the most fulfilling part of the trip? Uh, ma- making those those friends out there, you know, that it's, they don't really see, um, you know, people come to the island all the time, you know, especially like Americans. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's really cool that they get like a little bit more of an outside perspective. And, you know, it's not just that 
like everything they see is not just on that island, you know. Um, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. There's some pretty good people out there. What all did you guys do as far as ministry goes? We did a camp for them. It was a day day camp. So they'd come at 12 and we would be out there until uh, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just be do ga- do games with them. Uh, you know, they were totally into it. Memorizing verses. They, you know, free time hit. They were on their verses like instantly. So, What were the age groups at the camp? Uh, there were, there were teens. There okay. was a lot of teens there. Yeah. So, how, yeah. how, how many would you think there were? Um, I'd say around between, uh, 60, 60 and 80. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, hopefully you get a chance to go back. Uh, Yap is so close by and now that you work here. Yeah. A lot of our staff, uh, get down to Micronesia, uh, annually to visit the missionaries and get involved in trips like that and stuff. So maybe you can uh, go again on a trip coming up uh mark's brother paul started a christian school on yap as well and we're looking to maybe do a construction trip down there sometime soon so yeah great well glad you got to go on that and uh hey thanks for being here for the first hour being a wingman you're hired well you're actually already hired but you're you're welcome to be here every friday if you got the time and uh kaipo thanks for the quiz for sure that was great and uh listeners thanks for hanging around for this whole first hour we appreciate you tuning in to Live Till 5. This is our 177th episode, and uh, we enjoy doing this show for you. And so we're going to take a short break uh, for the news, the SRN News. You're listening to Live Till 5 here on 88.1 FM, KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Stay tuned for SRN News. With a little more live till five, I'm your host Jared Baldwin, broadcasting from KHMG high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries. If you're listening live at 4:05 p.m. on Friday, August 5th, it's 82 degrees outside right now, about six mile per hour winds to the south, 55 percent humidity, and uh, barometric pressure 29.64. Holding steady, rainy, kind of a drizzly rain outside right now. And uh, it's been kind of a gloomy day, but we kind of needed it. It's been so bright and sunny and dry. It's kind of nice to get some rain. We just feel bad, of course, if it's too much for you and has caused any damage or anything. But, uh, you know, everything's getting green again, that's for sure. I remember a few months ago talking about how brown things were for a very long time. Now nothing's brown. Everything's green. So glad you're with us. This is our 177th episode, as I said earlier. If you ever miss part of the show, there's a couple different ways you can tune in after the fact. You can listen to the podcast version on SoundCloud. Go to khmg.org forward slash LTF for Live Till 5. And uh, you can listen to SoundCloud, which has our podcast, not only of this show, but of other shows that are produced locally here at KHMG. You can also listen, uh, there's a button there for archives as well. 
You can also listen through TuneIn or any other online app that allows you to listen to local radio stations. TuneIn works really well, so we talk about that. We don't get sponsored by them or anything like that. But we do have a link to TuneIn on our website as well, khmg.org. And uh, you can click on that. You can listen live uh, in real time. Uh, the nice thing about TuneIn is you can pause it, kind of like uh, like if you were uh, watching something on a video streaming service or YouTube or something like that. You can actually pause what you're listening to for a few seconds if you have to step away from the radio or from the computer and then uh, turn it back on and get caught back up. Uh, we also rebroadcast this show in its entirety from noon to 2 on Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday nights. Catch us on The Rebound live till 5. We do that on purpose because we know a lot of people can't listen to the whole show. And uh, you might be one of those listeners that just catches a little bit here and there as you're driving about, as you're running errands, things like that. We want to make sure that uh, you're able to catch the parts of the show that you really enjoy. Share it with other people as well. Tell them to tune in, catch an interview or part of the the show where you know the person that's on here, you think it's funny. We do intend to make you laugh. The show's purpose is to entertain, give you kind of a lighter, uh, edifying uh, option for your listening on Friday afternoons. There are a lot of things you could listen to on the radio, but we want to make sure we give you something that is actually going to help build you up in your Christian life and uh, help you let your hair down. So we're building you up and letting your hair down all at the same time here on Live Till 5, and that's kind of the way it goes. It's like a little happy conversation and uh, hopefully giving you a good, family-friendly, clean, uh, encouraging uh, alternative to a lot of the things that are out there to listen to. And um, we're glad you're with us. You should... Well, I can't tell you what you should do, but I would highly recommend just leave it on 88.1 all the time. If you want to be encouraged and built up in your Christian life, we have so many good programs on live on our live radio, uh, whether that's some of our preaching programs or some of our music or even our news is from a, a Christian worldview. Uh, it'll build you up. The one thing about Harvest Family Radio is we never have to apologize for any of the programming or give a disclaimer that we might not agree with something that's being broadcast. We really are very thorough in our vetting of the different programs that we carry, and we're very picky about it because we want to make sure that whatever you hear here is going to indeed keep you on the right track in your spiritual growth. And uh, although there are a lot of things out there that that um, as a mature believer, you might be able to kind of sift through. We want to make sure that if you tune in to Harvest Family Radio, that you are just able to listen and enjoy and grow. So we want to do that for you and try and do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. For over 20 years now, KHMG has been broadcasting here at 88.1 FM from the Harvest Campus. And uh, during the week, you're always welcome to stop by. Maybe you're just curious about who are all these people on the radio. You can come by during business hours. Uh, 8 to 4 here Monday through Friday. We're on the third floor located straight above the hub here at Harvest Christian Academy and Harvest Ministries Campus. And uh, you can just take the elevator right behind the hub up to the third floor and you'll see us and introduce yourself. We love to hear from people. We like to hear from people on Facebook as well. You can leave us a personal message on Facebook. Find us, uh, Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Like us and follow us and leave a comment or leave us a personal message. It's great. We hear from people all around the world that way and glad that you are one of those. Now, one segment that we have on this show is we like to talk about words. Words are very powerful. Sometimes we use phrases and in our 
cross-cultural disconnect. Sometimes we use idioms, for example, that uh, they might not translate too well to people that didn't grow up saying those things. And so I have a few idioms here. This is a book that was provided by one of our listeners, PC. She is a school teacher herself, and she gave me the Scholastic Dictionary of Idioms by Marvin Turbin. 700 different sayings and expressions, over 1 million copies sold. All of these idioms start with the letter D. For example, in the political season here, dark horse candidate, meaning a contestant about whom little is known and who wins unexpectedly. And there are at least three possible origins of this idiom, and all come from horse racing in the early 1800s. The first is that a dark horse was a fast runner whose speed was kept secret or dark until the race started, and who, to everyone's surprise, would win. Second is that an owner of a fast horse sometimes dyed the hair black as a disguise before a big race. Third is that a certain American horse trader fooled people by disguising his fast black stallion as an ordinary saddle horse. He rode the horse into town, arranged for a race, took bets on it, and always won. The term was introduced into American politics in the surprise win of President James K. Polk in 1844. He was the first dark horse candidate. How about this one? You ever hear someone say, oh, they're dead as a doornail. That's, that's dead as a doornail. That means totally dead or hopeless, without a chance of success. A book in the mid-1300s first used this expression. Perhaps its origin was the image of a metal plate called a doornail being hit so many times by the door knocker that it had its life knocked out of it. Also, dead as a doornail contains alliteration, and so does the variation dead as a dodo, which is an extinct bird. Either expression is a good way to describe something that is out of date or no longer in existence. A dead duck. Oh, he's a dead duck. A person who is ruined, a person whose project is unlikely to continue or survive. The origin, this expression dates from the mid to late 1800s. Dead is often referred to as an idea or plan or project or person that's ruined or hopeless. Duck, alliteration to help the saying become popular. A diamond in the rough, kind of the opposite of a dead duck. Someone or something that doesn't look so good now, but has great merit or potential to be beautiful. And it's kind of obvious where that comes from. A dime a dozen, very common and inexpensive. Easy way to get, uh, easy to get and available anywhere. In 1786, the U.S. Continental Congress officially named the 10-cent coin a dime. The dime soon became a popular coin. Millions were minted. Everyone had them. Since they were so cheap, so abundant, and so common, the phrase a dime a dozen became a natural way to describe any everyday thing that was easy to get and of small value. And dime and dozen begin with the same letter, which makes the saying catchy through alliteration. Again, a lot of these are alliterated. This one is too, do or die, which means to succeed or fail completely, to take the chance of ruining oneself and trying to succeed. To do means to achieve something that needs to be done. Die doesn't necessarily mean that your life will end, but it could mean that you uh, don't actually accomplish what you set out to do. Do or die effort, trying your hardest to succeed no matter the obstacles that might be in the way. How about this one? We experienced this recently, the dog days of summer means the hottest and most humid days of summer, usually much of July and August. In ancient Roman times, people who studied astronomy knew that Sirius, the dog star, rose and set with the sun during the hottest weeks of the year, July through mid-August. People thought that the heat from the dog star combined with the heat from the sun to make those weeks would make those weeks extra hot. That's why people today call this uncomfortable time the dog days. People tend to get bored and tired 
at this time because it's too hot to go outside. The dog days of summer. How about another two dog ones? Dog Eat Dog World, a way of life marked by fierce competition in which people compete ruthlessly for survival. Kind of a dog eat dog world that's where people or, or uh, you know, comes from the origin of savage dogs who are desperately hungry and they would fight to the, to the end and even kill each other and eat each other. A dog's life. It's a bleak, harsh, terrible existence without much happiness or freedom. Erasmus, a Dutch scholar and theologian, used this expression in his writings around 1542. Today there is a great effort to treat dogs humanely. So many dogs lead good lives. But dogs generally don't live as well as people. In some countries, dogs are not kept as pets and, in fact, is common to eat them. So the expression has come to mean leading a poor or unhappy life. Just a few more. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. You ever heard someone say that? Don't count on profits before you earn them or have them in hand. Aesop once wrote, once wrote about a woman carrying a basket of eggs. In her mind, she figured how much she would get for the chickens when the chickens hatched, exactly how much she would spend the money, how much and how she would spend the money. So she got excited. She dropped the egg basket. Every egg smashed. Today, we use this fable to warn people not to be confident of getting a result Realizing an ambition or making a profit before it actually happens. Here you go. Two more. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Don't complain if a gift is not perfect. Take what you've been given without criticism or emphasis on its worth. You can tell how old a horse is by looking at the size and shape of its teeth. What don't look a gift horse in the mouth means is that if you find too many faults with a gift by examining it too closely, you're sure to be disappointed and possibly insult the person who gave it to you. And finally, this is something that maybe like a grandparent would say, don't take any wooden nickels, which means don't let anyone cheat you or take advantage of you. This popular American expression was first used in the early 1900s during the great migration from rural areas to big cities. The phrase meant that one should beware of city slickers, people who would sometimes pass out counterfeit coins, wooden nickels. Soon wooden nickels became... Uh, representative of any kind of trickery or double dealing. So don't take any wooden nickels. And those are our idioms, an homage to previous co-hosts that would bring us idioms every day. Now I have in studio, he's actually never left the studio, but he's not been on mic, Chris Harper, the all-around good guy and station manager of KHMD. Chris, you have some news for us today? Yes, been working on news for most of the first hour. You were saying it was hard to find real hard news today. It's it's a long story, but let's put it this way. There's one particular story that is um, seems to be the one that's being followed most closely. It's a very serious story, but it's not one that we've been reporting here. Right. Try to keep it very interesting. Sure. Um, um, and maybe just things that are um, a little off of the regular topics on the news sites. Sure, sure. Because the front page always seems to have one particular story in most of the uh, Guam news sites. But let's look at these things that are happening around the island. The, the big story, of course, is the weather. Wet and windy conditions on the island have been brought about by a monsoon depression, which was upgraded last night or overnight to a tropical storm. So as of this morning, tropical storm Omice was located about 430 miles north-northeast of Guam, moving at only 2 miles per hour. Maximum winds were about 40 miles per hour. No tropical storm watches or warnings are in effect for Guam, 
but we are monitoring the storm and we'll give you updates should we get them if they're related to um, the storm getting closer or anything like that. But Tropical Storm Omice is expected to continue moving away from the Marianas. Several GovGuam agencies owe the Guam Solid Waste Authority thousands of dollars for trash services in 2015. At the end of December 2015, the amount owed was about $197,000. The Guam Solid Waste Authority is still reporting strong financials for that year, including $23.1 million in the bank at the end of March. For fiscal 2015, the authority reported positive collections for each of its commercial, residential, and government class customers. Wow. That's a... That sounds like an unusually efficient agency. I don't know if the – I'm assuming the Guam Solid Waste Authority is a GovGuam agency. But to be $23.1 million in the bank, that's uh, – yeah. you don't hear that often in, in uh, connection to GovGuam. Yeah. I was actually going to – there was a lot about that that we could have gone into uh, about the structure of how it works on mm-hmm. several of the stories, but I didn't go yeah, into that yeah. in this particular in this particular. Who would case. have ever thought that trash would be one of the most profitable parts of GovGuam? Hey, Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Police, police. Sorry, story, I just you, you, you say I, you interesting up, things, man. and I get interested in the news. I'm like, I'm like your favorite listener. Honestly, all I could think of is what we talked about last week, where I went to one of the beaches and there was yeah, garbage right, everywhere, right, right, and I thought yeah. to myself, <laughs> "Well, how is this possible? Nobody's perfect. Yeah, nobody's perfect." Okay. Anyway, back to the news. Police are searching for a Dededo man who goes by the name Danny Palau or Danny Boy. The 37-year-old was last seen March 1st at his home. Police are asking for the public's help. Most of the Guam news sites have a photo that you can check out, uh, including the Guam PDN and KUAM. If you have any information, you can call their helpline, 477-HELP, 477-4357. A dangerous new wasp species has apparently appeared on Guam. This particular wasp, Vespa tropica, is common in Southeast Asia. This is a predatory, often aggressive wasp species, sometimes called the great banded hornet because they're black with a large yellow band. They are usually from one and a half to two inches long and have a large stinger. Two nests have been found on Guam, but there's a possibility. Oh, my skin is crawling. Yes. This is terrible. (laughs) There is a possibility that there will be more nests found. This is another thing to keep your eye out for. Uh, If you discover such such wasps on the island, you should contact the silent scientists. I should say scientists. Mm Mm-hmm. Who are dealing with the issue? Seven three five two thousand one. Okay. Seven three five two thousand one. That's for the wasp. Don't get the numbers mixed up for the missing man. No, you call the police. And the wasps. Yeah. The the police won't care about the wasps. Yeah. Right. The scientists probably will be concerned about the right, missing man. Right. Right. But they'll could just call the police. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Oh man, I just I, like I. I you should have watched like the I video. I need some Benadryl. Oh, there was, there was a video terrible. that I watched about the wasp, and it was, uh, yeah, it looked a little scary, frankly. Almost two inches long. 
Yeah, and a long stinger, and they usually sting multiple times, is oh, what the guy said. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. It's, I was afraid yeah, it's you were going to say that. I'm trying to inform the public about the dangers of Guam wildlife. Oh, man, that just sounds brutal, Chris. Okay, well, I hope we never see those, and maybe those are the only two nests ever on Guam are those, and they drowned during the heavy rains recently that would be good news for us i think so <laughs> yes, yes oh that's terrible okay all right well hey thanks for bringing us the news chris appreciate that what are you guys doing this weekend i don't know but well if it's if it's dry enough we might go somewhere although uh, if we go hiking we usually like to go hiking it gets pretty muddy and yeah. going over roots and rocks and yeah stuff the it's cleanup not the is almost not worth it when you go on a really muddy hike yeah We've yeah. done the Tarzan Falls and Tarzan Pools on really muddy days. And at the, the trailhead of those hikes, people throw their shoes up over the power line and they're just caked with mud. They, they just take their shoes off and leave them there because they're so ruined. Wow. And you don't want to get back in your vehicle with that kind of mud on you. It's just, ugh. of course. So, I mean, it's a disincentive, but it is fun to get out and go hiking. It's just this weather is not. Maybe maybe just the pool. Maybe we'll there you just go. You have a swimming pool like right that. out your door. Yeah, that's sure. good. That's good. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, listeners. I hope that news is helpful to you. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, a little more live till five, including our topic of the day: the Olympics in Rio start today. Well, the opening ceremonies today. The Olympics have already started. And then our final story of the day or article of the day is talking about alcohol at the end of the show. So stick around. More live till five after this. back 4 27 p.m on friday august 5th if you're listening to the live broadcast rebroadcasting noon to two on saturdays 7 to 9 p.m on sunday nights you can find the podcast on khmg.org forward slash ltf there are archived podcasts there soundcloud holds our podcasts or you can listen through the tune in app or other apps as well we're gonna talk about the olympics today Kaipo already did a great quiz where our new guy, Sebastian, came in second place. About the Olympics. Here's some facts about the Olympics from CNN. You know, the opening ceremonies are today, August 5th, in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro time. And uh, here are some facts and figures that might help you to know a little more about the Olympics. 4,000 and 4,600 Brazilian reals as the cost of the most expensive opening ceremony ticket. That's about 1,400 U.S. dollars. The least expensive ticket is about $60. So just to get in, it's about $60 to $1,400. And that's not the ones that are being resold. That's just face value, I believe. Ten times less is being spent on the opening ceremony in Rio then was spent on the London 2012 opening ceremony. London spent 10 times more because they had to come four years after China, who literally blew the socks off of every opening ceremony in all of history. 
kind of raised the bar so high. Brazil kind of brought it back down to a median amount. 12,000 is the number of, Olymp- number of Olympic torchbearers. The torch passed through all 26 Brazilian states, reached 90% of the Brazilian population. 10,500 is the total number of athletes expected to compete in the Games. That's a lot. Wow. Never think about that. 42 different sport disciplines represented. 206 number of countries sending athletes to compete in Rio. 2,488 are the total number of Olympic medals to be awarded to athletes topping the podium in Rio. 812 gold, 812 silver, and 864 bronzes. I don't know why there's more bronzes than silvers and golds. Maybe there are some ties or something uh, for bronze. I don't know. Ten athletes make up the first refugee team ever to compete at the Olympic Games. These six male and four female athletes will compete under the Olympic flag. I believe the South Sudan athletes are in that group. About 11,600 miles or 18,666 kilometers is what it takes to travel to Rio from Guam, which is one of the farthest nations sent sending athletes to compete. Hey, can you believe it? We're in CNN News for a good for a good reason. Let me read that again. 11,600 miles to travel from Rio to Guam. And we're one of the farthest nations sending athletes to compete. That's cool. 555 total number of athletes comprising the U.S. Olympic team. 263 men and 292 women. 36 number of years separating the youngest U.S. Olympian, table tennis player, Kanak Ja, 16, and the oldest U.S. Olympian, equestrian Philip Dutton, 52. 7.5 million number of tickets available for purchase at the Olympic Games. Two new Olympic sports in Rio. What are they? Well, golf returned to the games after 112 years hiatus. And Rugby Sevens, which my good friend CW, who is an avid listener, will be happy about. Rugby Sevens introduced for the first time into the Olympics. 3,604 number of apartments in Rio's Athlete Village that will house 11,000 athletes and 6,000 coaches. That's a high coach-to-athlete ratio. And finally, 380,000 number of foreign spectators expected to arrive in Rio during the Games. Wow. Sure, security is very tight in Rio right now. Here's some history from the History Channel, history.com website. History of the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games, which originated in ancient Greece, not Germany, not Germany, but Greece, as many as 3,000 years ago, were revived in the late 19th century and have become the world's preeminent sporting competition. The first modern Olympics, which is the era we are in, took place in 1896 in Athens, featured 280 participants from 13 nations competing in 43 events. Since 1994, the Summer and Winter Olympic Games have been held separately and are alternating every two years. So when I was a kid... Many of you listeners would remember this. Summer and winter games, same year. Now, they're alternating every two years. Now, a little bit of history of the original Olympics in ancient Greece. First written records of the ancient Olympic Games dated in 776 BC when a cook named Corabius won the only event, a 192-meter foot race called the Stade, the origin of the modern word stadium to become the first Olympic champion. And uh, legend has it that Heracles, the Roman Hercules, son of Zeus and mortal woman, 
uh, founded the game by the end of the 6th century BC, became the most famous of all Greek sporting festivals. Did you know in 1896, the games featured the first Olympic marathon, which followed the 25-mile route run by the Greek soldier who brought news of a victory over the Persians from Marathon to Athens in 490 BC. Fittingly, Greece's Spiridon Lewis won the first gold medal in the event. In 1924, the distance would be standardized to 26 miles and 385 yards, or 26.2 miles. Did you know that participation in the ancient Olympic Games was initially limited to freeborn male citizens in Greece only? There were no women events, and married women were prohibited from attending the competition altogether. Hmm. November 1892, at a meeting of the Union des Sports Athletiques in Paris, Colbertain proposed the idea of reviving the Olympics as an international athletic competition held every four years. That's kind of how the modern Olympics came to be. And there are a number of different little facts and figures here. Do you know in 2004, the Summer Olympics returned to Athens for the first time in more than a century? Nearly 11,000 athletes from a record 201 countries competed. That was something everyone wanted to get behind. But the Olympics have not always had uh, all, you know, happy memories. There have been some pretty tragic things that have happened in the Olympics. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk about the modern Olympics just a little more. Did you know that in the modern Olympics, the 1896 modern Olympics was not the first attempt at reviving the Olympics? Um, even after the Romans snuffed out the classical Greek games in 393 AD, the Olympic flame had continued to simmer. Informal Olympic festivals took place in the early 1600s and in the 19th century brought a series of local revivals, including the Jeux Olympiques, Scandinaves in Sweden, and Zappa's Olympics in Greece. So, but basically, 1896 was when they were able to really make it official. Most countries did not send teams to the 1896 Olympics. Uh, it was uh, very poorly attended. The U.S. team, for example, only had 13 college and amateur athletes who traveled to Athens, and they all went on their own dime. Swimming events were held in the open sea. The nautical games at the Athens Olympics consisted of four events staged at the nearby Bay of Zia. Competitors were ferried out to a wooden raft, and from there they raced toward the shore using a string of floating, hollowed-out pumpkins as lane markers. And uh, it says that sometimes the bay had 12-foot seas and frigid 55-degree water. So the races were not just battles against each other, but battles against the elements. That's very interesting. The winners did not receive gold medals. Uh, let's see here. The Olympic tradition of awarding gold, silver, bronze medals didn't begin until 1904 games in St. Louis. The winner at the 1896 games were instead presented with silver medals, certificates, olive branches. The runners-up received bronze medals and laurel branches. Third place got nothing. The games featured swimming events for sailors from the Greek Navy. So they actually had uh, some special games just for them. It was the only Olympics with no female competitors. An American athlete won the discus despite having never thrown it before. Few Olympic upsets compared to the shot putter Robert Garrett's triumph in the 1896 discus throw. Discus wasn't part of the American athletics in the late 1800s. So before leaving for Athens, Garrett studied images from ancient Greek art and attempted to build one from scratch. His prototype discus tipped the scales at 25 pounds, far heavier than the regulation weight for less than 5 pounds. After struggling to throw it, he all but abandoned hope of competing at the event and the games. 
It wasn't until Garrett arrived in Athens that he stumbled upon a lighter regulation discus and decided to enter the competition after all. He flubbed his first couple throws, but eventually heaved the discus over 95 feet, enough to beat the best Greek favorite. And uh, basically, it was a true tragedy for Greece, pun intended, I'm sure, in the way they wrote those headlines. I believe he actually got multiple olive branches that Olympics. A 10-year-old boy participated in the gymnastics competition. Kaipo already talked about this. A very young Greek boy, Demetrius Laundros, 10 years old, 218 days. Youngest competitor in Olympic history on the parallel bars. The marathon, of course, as we said, was invented for that Games, the 1896 Games. There were calls to make Athens the home of the permanent Olympics. So instead of rotating it around, but eventually the idea to share it amongst the countries won over. Maybe you remember watching the Olympics growing up. You have those moments that just stick out in your head. Let me read the names of some of the people, maybe just a short description of a few of them, some of the people that just have inspiring, unforgettable moments in Olympic history. If you were watching and you saw this competitor, you'll never forget it. And these kind of go across the generations. Like Herman the Hermanator Meyer in the Nagano Olympics, the downhill competition, Super G and Giant Slalom. Joni Roche, Canadian figure skater, competed in front of millions in the 2010 Vancouver Olympics, just four days after losing her mother from a sudden heart attack. Eric Mosambani, Mosambani, 2000 Summer Games. Uh, he'd never seen an Olympic-sized pool in his life, and he'd only taken up swimming a few months earlier. He entered and qualified the 100-meter freestyle. He lost miserably, but he got fans all around the world. Lawrence Lemieux, the Canadian sailor, Lawrence Lemieux, began racing in 1988 South Korea Olympics, fully intended on, planning, on playing to win, but amid dangerous winds, he noticed a competitor's capsized boat. He disqualified himself, abandoning the race to help save two injured sailors. After handing the competitors off to rescue crew, he resumed the race and still beat 11 of the other competitors, coming in 21st out of 32. While he didn't win silver, which was his original pace, Lemieux was awarded an honorary medal for his heroic act. Johnny Mosley, I remember watching him uh, on the, the Moguls in 1998. Torval and Dean, ice dancing uh, in the Winter Olympics 1984 in Sarajevo. Rulon Gardner, he is the wrestler that just came out of nowhere. I believe he's uh, a Minnesota boy. He beat the Russian Alexander Karolin, who was basically unbeatable, they thought. And... Um, uh, it, matter of fact, the Russian hadn't given up a single point in multiple uh, wrestling bouts before that. And the person that was most uh, surprised by that win was Rulon Gardner himself. Sean White, 2010 Vancouver snowboarding halfpipe. He did the double McTwist 1260. If you don't know what that is, then uh, he called it the Tomahawk. Then you got to watch it. Dan Jansen. Of course, the speed skater in the 100,000-meter event in Lillehammer. He dedicated the win to his sister, Jane, who had died. Vasily Exaliv in the 1976 Montreal Games. Korean unification flag, which someone mentioned to me earlier, but basically North and South Korea found common ground in the 2000 Sydney Games and marched together at the opening ceremonies. 
Michael Johnson, the two gold medals in 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Mary Lou Retton, she was uh, everyone's sweetheart, 1984, American gymnast. Michael Phelps, of course, the phenomenon, the fish. He's won more medals than anyone, I believe, in uh, history, American history. There's a bunch of others here. Kerry Strug, Usain Bolt, Matthias Steiner, the Black Power Salute, Jesse Owens, Nadia Komenich, if you grew up in the 70s, 1976 Summer Olympics, she got a perfect 10 in the Olympic gymnastic event. The Jamaican bobsled team, Derek Redmond, he was the guy who got injured and he couldn't finish and his father leapt out of the stands and ran the rest of the way with him. And finally, the Miracle on Ice, which is probably rated the number one American Olympic moment, 1980 men's Olympic uh, hockey team, 4-3 semifinal win over the USSR, and then went on to beat Finland to win the gold medal, 1980. They call it the Miracle on Ice. Now, these moments changed Olympic history. Berlin, 1936, Owens breaks all the records. Can you imagine during the 1936 Games... Hitler wanted to show off the ultimate uh, American or the ultimate Aryan race, and then Jesse Owens came in and whooped up on all those guys. London, nineteen forty-eight, wheelchair athletes compete. Or how about this? The nineteen sixty Rome television, uh, the first televised games, but also all kinds of scandals like blood doping and things like that. Mexico City, nineteen sixty-eight, civil rights protests. Munich, 1972, the terror, the terror attack by the Palestinian terrorists that killed the 11 Israeli athletes. Scary. Montreal, 1976, the African nations that boycotted the Olympics. Moscow, 1980, U.S. boycotts host alternate games. Barcelona, 1992, the pros play at the Olympics. So the men's Olympic team in 1992, the pros Named the Dream Team, got to play in the basketball. That was Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. Atlanta, 1996, the games turned 100 with Muhammad Ali. That was pretty amazing. I remember watching that live on the television. They had not revealed who the final um, torchbearer would be. And when they brought it into the stadium at the bottom of this giant torch, was Muhammad Ali standing there with his hand shaking, and they lit it and, and guided him up to the the top of the flame, and he lit it. It was pretty exciting. Sydney 2000, of course, North and South Korea uniting. Athens 2004, the medal design was corrected. A new medal was distributed to winners at the Athens Games, replacing the longstanding design by Italian sculptor Giuseppe Cassioli that incorrectly depicted the Roman Colosseum rather than the Greek venue. Interesting. And finally, Beijing, 2008, Phelps, Michael Phelps takes home the most gold ever. So those are 13 Olympic moments to change history. And uh, we were doing a little quiz earlier about what different games, what different competitions happen at the Olympics. Did you know there are going to be five new sports in the 2020 Tokyo Games? Five new sports. Uh, Let's see here. The new sports... Include baseball and softball, karate, skateboarding, sports climbing, and surfing. Now, I'm sure the International Olympic Committee is trying to attract the younger generation who would appreciate 
those sports. Baseball, softball, karate, skateboarding, sports climbing, and surfing. So kind of mainstreaming a few of those X-game type sports now are going to be brought into the mainstream. The inclusion of these new sports will add over 18 events and bring in 474 athletes with equal number of women and men for all sports except for baseball, softball, which will have the same number of teams but different player totals because softball teams have 15 players, baseball teams have 24. Tokyo 2020 will rely heavily on existing and temporary venues to stage the competitions. Pretty cool. Oh, let's see here. Different Olympic cities. If you try and think of all the different Olympics that you've watched, some are very memorable. Some, it seems like they just, I don't know, they they just kind of go by the wayside in your mind. I, I know that I've lived since 1972. I've lived through a lot of Olympics. Uh, so... Uh, in 1972, it was in Sapporo, Japan, and Munich, West Germany. 76, Austria and Canada. That's uh, uh, Austria, Europe, and Canada, of course, North America. 1980, Lake Placid, United States, and Moscow, Soviet Union. Sarajevo uh, was the 1984 Olympics, Sarajevo and Los Angeles. Calgary and Seoul were the 1988 Olympics. Albertville and Barcelona, probably the most forgettable Olympics for me. I don't know why, but Albertville and Barcelona, if I was in a Jeopardy game and that was the final question and I bet all my $1 million, I would lose that because I rarely remember that Albertville, France and Barcelona, Spain were the summer and winter Olympics of 1992. Norway, 1994, Winter Olympics. And then now... once that hit, then they started alternating back and forth between summer and winter every two years. Summer, Atlanta, 96. Nagano, Japan, 98. Winter, summer, 2000, Sydney. Winter, America, Salt Lake City. Summer, Athens, 2004. Winter, Turin, Italy. And that's a forgettable one, too. 2006, Beijing, of course. 2008, Summer Olympics. It was amazing. 2010, Vancouver, Canada. Winter Olympics. Summer London Games 2012 and Winter Sochi, Russia. And then, of course, now Brazil Summer Games, Brazil, South America, Rio de Janeiro. And the Winter Games coming up is going to be Pyeongchang, South Korea, basically in the Seoul area, I believe, in Asia. And then Japan, Tokyo, next Summer Games 2020. And the next Winter Games after South Korea is going to be China again. Beijing. They'll be one of the few cities that will have hosted a summer and winter Olympics. Matter of fact, some of the stats on the cities that have hosted, London has hosted three summers and no winters. Beijing has hosted one summer and will host one winter. Tokyo has hosted two summer games. Athens has hosted two summer games in modern history. LA, Los Angeles has hosted two summer games. Lake Placid has hosted two winter games. Austria, Innsbruck, Austria has hosted two winter games. St. Moritz, Switzerland, which I'm sure the skiing is great, two winter games. And Paris has hosted two summer games. So there are some cities that have had the blessing of doing multiple games. And then the list of the cities that have hosted the most games, or the countries that have hosted the most games, North America, United States, We've hosted eight games, 
U.S. has hosted the most games with eight. France with five. Japan, four. U.K., three. Canada, three. Italy, three. Germany, three. China, two. South Korea, two. If you include the one coming up. Soviet Union, two. Greece, two. In modern history. Australia, Oceania, two. Norway, two. Austria, two. Switzerland, two. And then here are some of the countries that have only hosted it one time. Spain, Yugoslavia, Mexico, Finland, Netherlands, Belgium, and Sweden. Now, in the world we live in today, I don't know if it's possible for some of those countries to host because of the security concerns we have in modern day today. But one of the coolest Olympians of all time, I have to say, growing up in the 1970s and 80s, and watching in rerun his movies, Johnny Weissmuller. That's right, you heard it. I think Johnny Weissmuller was super cool. He was an Olympic swimmer. He died in 1984. His iconic role as Tarzan of the Jungle, almost 20 movies, was inevitably mentioned in the headlines. But Weissmuller also was swimming's first superstar, incredible athlete, won five Olympic gold medals, and set more than 65 world records. In 10 years of competition swimming, John, Johnny Weissmuller never lost a race, not once. He was one of the great heroes of swimming. Matter of fact, he said that uh, he was really good, of course, at the forward freestyle or crawl type swim, but he switched over to also getting very proficient at the backstroke. He said because he got bored just looking down in the water, he wanted to be able to look up at the sky, so he got really good at the backstroke. Johnny Weissmuller, not only Tarzan, but also he won three gold medals in the 24 Paris Olympics, that was in the 100-meter, 400-meter freestyle, and the 800-meter freestyle relay team. He was kind of the the proto-Phelps. Uh, and then he took on, of course, the role of Tarzan in 1932. And uh, he kind of got typecast because, you know, his first line in the movies was, Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. And his Jungle Yellow course was more of a yodel, and it wasn't even him doing it. But overall... Really cool. They would even use his yodel um, on Armed Forces Radio sometimes to uh, encourage the troops during World War II. So that's kind of cool. Hey, let's take a short break. When we come back, I have one article, a little blog that I read this week that I think would be very good for you Christians, talking about alcohol and drinking and the Christian's perspective on it in light of recent news. Stick around more Live Till 5 after this short break. And we're back with the last five minutes of Live Till 5. Thanks for tuning in. My host, my, my host, my name is Jared Baldwin. I'm the host of this show. I've been doing this for 177 episodes. I want to just share with you something a little more sober. Uh, recently, a megachurch pastor, I won't mention his name, stunned the evangelical world uh, when uh, the he had to announce to his church, which was uh, uh, a very famous church in South Carolina, He'd pastored there for 18 years. It was listed as the third largest church in the United States in 2015. Outreach Magazine reports its attendance is approaching 28,000 people. But in recent days, the leadership of the church relieved this pastor of his ministry duties, citing alcohol abuse and marital issues. The pastor's published a response admitting his sin, but even here, 
he would not say that his weak view of alcohol was part of the problem. In my opinion, he says, the Bible does not prohibit the use of alcohol, but it does prohibit drunkenness and intoxication. While it may be the case that the Bible, quote-unquote, does not prohibit the use of alcohol, end quote, the writer of this article, Jeff Straub, he wrote this in in the Nick of Time uh, blog, while it might be that case, I do not intend to contest this claim here. I have argued elsewhere, according to Jeff Straub here, that the Bible does not allow beverage alcohol in the same way some American Christians claim. But even if drinking is permissible, this pastor, whom the article is written about, missed an opportunity to warn the church against even the limited use of alcohol. Basically, his claim is that, you know, this one pastor, by allowing himself to drink alcohol, opened himself up to really having alcohol take control of him and losing his ministry. And this article is basically challenging Christians to take a stronger view of of abstinence from alcohol. This and this article basically the the writer of this article kind of is disappointed with the pastor who could have used this opportunity even in the midst of uh uh admitting that he sinned to also warn Christians to not follow the same path. And here are his points. He says first The use of the beverage alcohol is dangerous. One is just never quite sure when he or she has had too much. The amount of alcohol that an individual can consume without uh, deleterious effects varies from one person to the next so much that no good rule of thumb can regulate safe use. Number two, the use of the beverage alcohol is worldly. Evangelicals in general and fundamentalists in particular have lost much of our sense of worldliness However, if there was an activity that smacks of worldliness, it is the consumption of the beverage alcohol. Watch a selection of television commercials for beer, wine, hard spirits, young, good-looking men and women having the time of their lives while consuming alcohol. Just how any Christian can justify this kind of lifestyle before a holy God is difficult to imagine. And then third, this author writes, the consequences of the overuse of the beverage alcohol are hard to predict. Would the pastor in question have taken his first drink if he had known that it would destroy his ministry? As the preacher once said about sin, quote, it takes you farther than you've ever intended to go, it keeps you longer than you ever intended to stay, and it costs you more than you ever intended to pay, end quote. So it's a, it's a very good article. I encourage you to look up uh, In the Nick of Time, July 29, 2016, this article came out. Very good article, Challenging Christians about their view of the use of alcohol and how a weak view can lead to a lot of problems. I encourage you, stay away from alcohol. It's no good for you. Anyway, that's my opinion. And uh, I'm your host of Live Till 5. And we're going to end with that. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you being with us today on this Friday, August 5th. We're listening to Live Till 5. Well, you're listening. I'm broadcasting on 88.1 FM, KHMG Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Have a great weekend and stay tuned for SRN News.